0: Welcome to the Investment Turnaround. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world-renowned investors, scientists and other personalities who share their solutions toward the sustainable transformation of our financial systems. Today, Mariana interviews former member of the European Parliament, Climate Kick Chair and President Emeritus of the Club of Rome, Dr. H.C. Anders He relies on practical solutions and presents a plan for an independent and serious organization with expertise, influence, and gravitas, like the Club of Rome, who could lead a public discourse and catalyze successful action on climate change.
1: How did you arrive at being such an impactful full force for good in the world? What, what happened in your life that put you on this path of serving humanity? Where, where,
2: where, whether I have had impact or not, that, that is difficult to judge, but uh, I've been... Uh, working on sustainability-related issues for the last, I would say, 45 years. And and, and as a matter of fact, what really sort of started to open my eyes was uh, when I listened to a BBC broadcast in March 1972 when Limits to Growth had just been published. There was a debate about it, and um, I was a young member of parliament at that time in Sweden, and on the center right, I'm, I mind you. And um, I, I, I all of a sudden understood that there, there was something in the way your society was organized that, was, that was not really, wasn't really the right way. So, and from, from that point, I, I've been uh, trying to learn more and, and uh, then also take action.
1: Yeah, so within the Club of Rome, you're leading the Climate Emergency Initiative. Can you tell us a little bit about it? And how that, you know, is supposed to contribute so that our audience, which are mostly investors, people who have money and can and do make a difference, so that they can see how they can contribute.
2: Well, well, you know, ever since 1972, one, one of the main issues or, or uh, yeah, the, the, the areas which, which the club has highlighted is this, what we would call, tension between Uh, humankind and and the economic system, on the one hand, and nature, uh, broadly defined, uh, including, of course, the climate system. Um, And when we now focus particular attention on on climate, uh, it's because it's probably the most urgent issue right now to do something about because, uh, because of the cumulative nature of carbon emissions and the fact that even if we stop to emit greenhouse gases today, the warming process will continue for quite some time uh, because of inert in the system and the fact that that carbon emissions stay in the atmosphere so long. So, so that there is a there is a race for time, and that's why we are are focusing uh, our attention on this, and and. You, we should also recall that the IPCC, the, 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 the scientific panel on climate change, is, is issuing a report now this Monday, eight, 8 October, uh, which will address the issue: Can we and how uh, avoid going beyond one point five degrees or in warming? Um, so it's it's I think it's very timely for us to to to. Uh, Alert people about this issue and do it from a mainly ethical position. Uh, basically, saying that we are by by avoiding taking action, we are we are pushing uh, the issue uh, forward or pushing the ball forward uh, and uh, uh, leaving it to our children and their children to to try to solve the problem, and and that's going to be increasingly difficult. So it's sort of a moral responsibility to do something now. And, you know, we have, compared to only five or ten years ago, we have so much more knowledge now and and so much more technologies at our disposal, so it should be possible by concerted action to start moving in in another direction to reduce emissions very, very abruptly, uh, uh, rapidly, and um, undertake the transformation that is required. And I would like to underline it's a transformation to cut away fifteen, twenty per cent of emissions, yes. the physical emissions, for instance, in Germany or in Sweden. It's quite easy to do within the present structure and system. You cut away a little bit of inefficiencies and, and waste and so on. But if you, if the task is to move towards ninety per cent reduction, to to move almost to zero emissions, then or close to zero, then it's a question of transformation. We have to do everything differently: infrastructure, energy, agriculture, consumption, culture, etc. And that's a very, very major undertaking.
1: So, where can people go to learn more about how to do it? Let's, you know, be very pragmatic on this you know we are coming from the technological point of view recently at springtime when we were together you Mm. alluded to the fact that technology has been able to influence the energy sector to a point where we're getting close to you know where the energy sector has an impact on climate change in in the right direction so with respect to other industries can you highlight for us in a pragmatic way how we can or what are the aspects that we need to look at when we begin to invest, like vertical industries, well, could be textiles
2: yeah well i i, I would i would not I, I would like to make a comment about energy because even if solar and wind in particular the investments have increased by twenty twenty five, thirty percent, in particular for solar over the last 10 years. It started at a very, very low level. So still today, fossil fuels make up eighty percent of the global energy mix. Mm-hmm. So we need to triple or quadruple investments in the coming decade, uh, in particular in solar and wind, and of course also storage facilities, new batteries and new storage systems, to to address the, the intermittency of these these uh, technologies. So I, 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 if I were an investor, I would, I would really look for investment opportunities, both in developed countries, but in particular in developing countries, to avoid that they get stuck in the coal-based economy. Um, and, you know, there, there are billions of people who, who, who are very poor today and who, who want to modernize their societies and to get out of poverty. And the only way to do it is access to modern energy. And if renewables are not there, they will use coal, oil, and gas. It's very simple. So, so we, we really need to, to ramp up investments in renewables. Secondly, materials. Very, very important. The way we produce steel, cement, uh, aluminium, uh, textiles. Those are areas where, where we need a lot of the innovation, but also substitution. For instance, you can build high-rise buildings in wood today. You couldn't do that 10, 15 years ago. But it's, it's cost-effective. It's more beautiful, and you store carbon in in the in the in the the construction uh, or in the building. Um, So, uh, basic materials, and I should of course include plastics, is is a very very important uh, area. Uh, They make up twenty twenty five percent of carbon emissions, and infrastructure is expanding all over the world. Uh, As a member of the International Resource Panel, a UN agency, we have. um, we have made some calculations and our estimate is that we will build in the world as much urban infrastructure in the next 25 years as we have built until now. And if that happens with today's technologies and cement and steel, aluminium and plastics, you, you can forget about the climate uh, goals. So, so here we need, we need a lot of innovation and we need to do things differently. So that's, that's a particular area uh, for, for investors. A third one is, of course, land use. We need to restore degraded land. And if we can plant trees on hundreds of millions of hectares, that will help a lot. It will absorb carbon. Uh, we need to do agriculture differently. Every time you put the plow in the soil, you release a lot of carbon. But we know that no-till or low-till agriculture practices seen uh, in a system, in a package. It's not only the, 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 the no-tilling. Uh, is very effective. It enhances the fertility. It enhances water retention capacity in the soil. And it stores carbon. So so, so these are areas where we need a lot of change to happen. And I think ultimately it's a combination of good policy frameworks, on the one hand, and um, risk capital or capital.
1: Well, it is risk capital. The moment you go to developing countries, the risk increases, but it's, it's something that has to be done. And we printed a lot of money, so there is a lot of money around. And uh, so that, that shouldn't be too difficult. And there are ways to perform uh, proper de risking. So that is not a. Uh, yeah, not
2: that's, that's, that's something for uh, the, uh, the World Bank, for regional banks, for development cooperation authorities I'm on the board of Swedish Sida which is development authority we have sort of a guarantee instrument I don't know what the name is in in uh, in English anyway we SIDA, uh, uh gets involved in major infrastructure projects in different parts of of the developing countries and 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 puts up a guarantee for the for the risk for investors and most often that guarantee never has to be used so so we can leverage a lot by by just being there as as a partner uh, in case something should go wrong so so that's that's a very interesting way of 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 leveraging development cooperation assistance in a in a different way and the regional banks are quite large the world bank is large the european investment bank is large so so there are there are facilities that, that could help doing this, but but they have to orient their uh, their activities um, in this direction. Yeah, they have to orient their activities in this direction
1: and uh, make make it known because very often that's not known. That's no, why we're having this <laughs> this conversation to just get the word out and empower yeah. people. That uh, you know those of us who think this way and invest this way, we're not alone.
2: I, I I was told about um, uh, a very interesting initiative by a, a, a Chinese-American by the name of John D. Liu. He's been working on land restoration for the last 20 years and documented it in, in a lot of, of good video uh, presentations and films. Uh, and he told me uh, about a new um, initiative called CommonLand.org org or dot com. I don't remember now. Uh, it's a it's an organization based in the Netherlands, chaired uh, by Willem Ferreda, uh, who used to be uh, working in the IUCN, and they they offer projects for for uh, uh, investors uh, in the land restoration area, and and it's 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 both a way to to bring back biodiversity to store carbon, but it's also a very effective way of assisting poor people and their livelihoods. So it's, it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a very, very interesting um, undertaking.
1: Yeah, which... So common
2: land, yeah, commonland. Commonland.org,
1: probably, yeah. Or, or dot,
2: or dot com. I don't remember.
1: <laughs> I'll search for it and let people know. Yeah, and you know what you just um, alluded to was the way how we measure success. In a in a more inter- yeah. integrative way, not only the financial sustainability, but particularly the implementation of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Yeah, as a means, and we to, will
2: have yeah. uh, we will have a debate in Rome when we have our 50th anniversary two weeks from now, where a new report by um, Johan Rockström, uh, Jürgen Ramders, and yet another Norwegian. Per Espen Stockness, uh, we look at how to address the sustainable develop- development goals within the planetary boundaries. <clears throat> and their conclusion in this report, that has not been launched yet, but will be launched on, on October 16 or 17, their conclusion is that by conventional growth, it, it will not be possible. We may be able to uh, deliver on the poverty goal, number one, and on hunger, uh, by just increasing conventional growth and trying to distribute um, the the money in in a more equal way. Uh, But it it will, at the same time, um, accelerate climate change or or global warming, and, and it will it will impose further destruction on on biodiversity, on the oceans, etc. So, so we need a different different approach, um, and we have to go from uh, indicators that measure quantity, which GDP growth does, to indicators that measure quality, and that is well-being and welfare. That's the only way forward. So, so that's quite interesting, and um, if. Um, impact in, or in, if, if impact investors can, can help us in this journey or, or, or this moving in this direction, it's going to be very, very crucial.
1: Yeah, which is the reason why we step forward and why we have all these initiatives and that's exactly the foundation of aqua what aqua stands for all quadrants all levels all lines which is basically goes back to the integration of the platonic values the true the good and the beautiful because it's not just a cognitive exercise to go about for profit only you need to bring the qualitative criteria the motivation the 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 ethical aspects, the moral aspects into the picture. And that, of course, includes people that are at a higher level of consciousness. If you're at the bottom of the pyramid on survival mode, you just don't have the bandwidth to think about such issues. That's why those investors, impact investors, have gathered together in organizations like uh, Tonic and the Global Impact Investing Network and many others that you are aware of to really address exactly that. So it requires a different level of consciousness. And this is the consciousness conversation that we also have, and this is why we mm. are doing what we're doing. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, yeah.
2: that's, that's great. Um, and, and you know, I think we have experienced over the last decade or so, that even if governments come together and agree on quite good or ambitious goals and objectives, whether we talk about the sustainable development goals or the Paris Agreement, implementation is most often lacking. And that was, by the way, one of the major of of the Paris Agreement that it was uh, uh, good on, uh, on 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 the objective side, but there was nothing about the implementation. And I remember that uh, George Monbiot, who who writes on comments on environment issues in The Guardian, I, I, I highly recommend you to to read him. He he wrote an op the day after the Paris Agreement was struck, and he said in comparison with what the agreement could have been, it was a miracle. Because most people thought it wouldn't wouldn't happen. And then he said, but in comparison with what it should have been, it was a disaster. And there, thereby he meant that there was not a word said about the implementation. So that's why, I mean, governments need to be complemented. Government action needs to be complemented by civil society, by enlightened companies by enlightened investors otherwise this is not going to work
1: i couldn't agree more and you just said something extremely important the enlightened aspect so it we do not have time to wait for people who are not already there who are not have not understood we need to those of us who understand it to get it and have the the means the power the the will to make it happen need to connect together, mm. so we connect mm. in a way to reach the tipping point. The problem right mm. now is that there are so many egos involved and everyone is trying to do his or her own thing without working with the other, like you said, the civil society, working with politicians and so on, that we, and we kind of fight each other rather than mm. work together to bring about change. So as far as I'm concerned, I personally, I'm a great believer in the fact that we are very close to reaching that tipping point. And as far as I'm concerned, I also think that uh, the reaching the next level, higher level of consciousness, is also a question of uh, a tipping point that will occur very soon. So I'm very hopeful.
2: Yeah, tipping points are of different natures. Uh, Jon Schellenhuber that we met the other day, talking about the climate system, about possible tipping points in nature, whether we talk about coral reefs or glaciers or permafrost towing or whatever, but I think you are absolutely right. Hopefully, there are tipping points, positive tipping points, uh, among uh, human beings, uh, and that is when the consciousness or awareness level is is sufficiently high for 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 a sufficient number of people to really start moving more more uh, proactively in the right direction. So so yeah, I I, I hope for that.
1: Which is what Sean Huber also said. That was the end of his talk, you know, Mm. uh, the tipping point and the conviction that there are these forces at work that, uh, you know, help us get together. We find each other, as you said in in the opening of this conversation. Mm. So another uh, question, and I know you're pressed for time, we all are is on the technology and uh, climate change, the correlation. And what is your opinion with respect to all the exponential tech, biotech, nanotech, AI uh, as part of it, and, uh, yeah. and and climate change? And how can we influence and impact in order to prevent another worry that could come up through AI systems that are going to have the potential possibility to govern us? in addition to climate change and, 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 um, and uh, atom bombs?
2: Well, I, I think, I mean, if I limit my my response to to the possible synergy between these new technologies and action to prevent climate change, because I, I leave the, the singularity and the, that machines will take over for, for another Another time and discussion, <laughs> even though it's it's a it's a very important issue. But but let me just comment on, on 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 the climate aspect of it. Um, I think there there is there there is a lot of opportunities for uh, basically digital technologies underpinning also the use of uh, other technologies to uh, to help uh, shape uh, the economy in a different way doing away with a lot of waste and redundance, making processes in terms of production, but also consumption much more efficient, uh, bringing new business models to the fore. I mean, all the apps that we see emerging are in many areas helping us to reduce emissions. So so I I see a lot of, of opportunities there. But I just want to remind us about the fact that the digital world and the virtual uh, virtual reality is, is is going to be more and more important. But it will not take away the need for you know infrastructure, energy, uh, water, food, etc. It can help us produce things more efficiently. It can help us to close the loops, both in the bio- bio- biosphere and the technosphere, etc. But, but, But there are some, some basic needs which still re- will still require a lot of materials and energy. And, and there I don't see quick fixes. So for the next 20 to 30 years, the main, the main uh, challenge will be how to balance poor people's needs with 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 these materials and 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 energy requirements and at the same time start doing away with all the wasteful consumption in in the north uh which is of course a major problem
1: which you know we are the, the biggest uh, polluters and uh yeah. coming back to the conversation that we had before on behavioral change which is what uh, needs to occur um that's where These technologies and apps that you've mentioned um, are actually having a a big influence. If you look at the Silicon Valley, where all these technologies are coming from, or most of them, um, there is this great mindfulness movement and uh, the apps that are helping to um, bring people to a a greater understanding, to awaken people and change their behavior. So there are some excellent um, movements in this direction. And behavioral change, not only within the context of uh, high tech, but also climate and waste and pollution in the north is extremely important. So I I truly am very hopeful that technology will help um, um, move the the needle in the right direction. Because, you know, so many people, five, I think five, four billion people are already having um, or will have smartphones within the next couple of years.
2: No, 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 absolutely. But but I would like to stress, although I, I, I do agree that behavior change is part of the solution, I think that for most people, structures are such in society that behavior change is not easy. If you happen to live in the U.S., where there is very little access to public transport, what the hell do you do? You are totally dependent on your car. Uh, for instance, or or if uh, a society uh, only produces uh, buildings made out of steel and cement, where we know that the carbon emissions are very, very high, you have very small possibilities as an individual to influence that. If Absolutely. farmers continue to do industrial uh, conventional agriculture, which adds to carbon emissions. What can you do as a consumer? You can do very little. So, so there, are, there are these structural changes which depend on policy frameworks, which depend on putting the, the prices right, etc., that are so, so important. And that's where I think pressure groups and the impact investors is one of those, have to play a more proactive role, telling politicians that for heaven's sake, you cannot, you cannot have as a policy to, to have as little government involvement as possible. I'm not referring to the republics in the, in the, in the U.S. We need more policy, but we need clever policy.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, get rid of the regulations that impose on institutional investors and money managers to focus on for-profit only within their yeah. investments, regardless of uh, other criteria for impact and climate and you know, all the UN SDGs, which is one of so the biggest problems.
2: The, there you have the company law, which is uh, a very important instrument. As long as shareholder value is the main priority, it's, it's going to be very difficult. Absolutely. So that's why I think uh, B corporations are such a, uh, an interesting alternative, because there you can, you can address Many more victims than just uh, dividends in, 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 in your in your activities
1: yes, and the investors you know the money owners other than the money managers and there are so many of, uh, of us out there you know take money in their own hands and do an invest in companies that they actually um, you know where they don't have to report to anyone. Uh, you know what they do and w- with what criteria they uh, they build these companies i couldn 't agree more, yeah, so there is there is help, and we 're coming um, and if you look at the numbers, thirty percent of all assets under managers are already invested with uh, environmental social governance criteria in mind. The problem we have there is that they 're not integrated, so people either invest in climate or in social or so there is, a, um, there is not a direct integration there. So that needs to happen. So it's, yeah. It's,
2: yeah, it's too, too fragmented. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So when you look at the impact investors and the money invested by impact investors globally under you know, assets under management, unfortunately, that's like 1%. And so that needs to change. But it is changing and uh, that's what gives me hope. So g- coming back to the uh, uh, to the interview and, you know, to the end of it, so the road to exterior transformation com- comes from within. What happened specifically to you that led to this transformation, and how do you keep yourself in a balanced manner? How do you I mean, what is your personal development practice that keeps you healthy and balanced? And uh, I mean, you're one of the most positive people I know. Very well Well, integrated. What is your practice that people can um, learn from?
2: Well, that was a tough question. Um,
1: (laughs) That's the foundation that comes back to the behavioral change. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
2: no, I I agree. Um, I think that for me when you have when you have seen the truth so to say when you have been convinced about a certain problematic and and and, and what the causes are and and what the solutions are and i think i've done that uh, already in the 1970s it is very difficult to dodge you you cannot dodge it and i also spent 10 years in the red cross working with um, disasters and disaster victims victims around the clock where there are, through warfare or through so-called natural disasters, so so I I've seen the 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 negative uh, or, or the shadowy sides of, of life, um, both when it comes to environment destruction and 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 destitute people, and and if you have done that sufficiently often, there's no way you can you can hide, um, and there's no way you can believe that the neoliberal paradigm is the solution because it is not the solution. It has aggravated many problems. Um, it has solved some problems, but aggravated more. So, so to me, it has been, been quite easy because, um, I've been, I've been so convinced about what I think is right. Um, secondly, I think I, I had, um, a very good upbringing, a very, um, um, good family um, and uh, loving. Um, uh, my, my parents were very, very loving and gave me a lot of self confidence, which I think is important. Um, and um, thirdly, I I I I, um, I charge my batteries in nature. I think uh, just to walk a couple of hours in in, in the forest is is a lot of uh, <laughs> yeah. It it helps you to to recharge your batteries. It's healing. So that's, yeah, yeah absolutely and then I have um a loving family so so that's all, that also helps and then you know you you also have to realize that sometimes you are you feel very lonely because uh there is a lot in in conventional society that that works against what you what you believe in um but then it's good to know that you have friends in different parts of the world who are all inspired by this ambition um so networking is, is very, very important, knowing that we are many on the same path.
1: Yes, and that's a wonderful way to bring this extraordinary conversation to an end. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to join the, the cyber group <laughs> with, ah. your, with your wisdom. Thank you so much. Thank Have you. a wonderful day, Anders. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you, and thank you for calling. Thank you.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Anders Wakeman tweets at Anders Wakeman, That's A-N-D-E-R-S-W-I-J-K-M-A-N. For more on Dr. Bosazan and the investment turnaround, visit investment-turnaround.com.